On this week's Adam Schefter podcast, a defensive slant with some of the biggest names in the game today. Texans defensive end J.J. Watt, who's the co-leader in the NFL for leading sacks, will join us to talk about his return from a back surgery in 2016 and a fractured tibia in 2017. Then we'll be joined by Panthers linebacker Thomas Davis, who has dealt with adversity all season long, from the death of his father to him returning from his four-game suspension. And... ESPN NFL researcher Evan Kaplan will join us to give us the latest insight and preview on Week 7. But first, J.J. Watt. J.J. How's it going, Adam? Thanks very much for doing this. I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. You know, I'm watching the game on Sunday, and I'm watching what you did, and I'm watching your post-game comments, and you referred to the critics, who are the people who said you had lost it. Who who said you had lost it, J.J.? <laughs> You know how we athletes are. You know, we always see all the negative comments. We want to use it as fuel and whatnot. Um, but, I mean, I don't blame anybody that, that said that. I mean, I don't, I don't blame anybody at all. I mean, I missed the last two seasons. So um, they, have, they have a right to believe that it was, pro- it was possibly over, uh, that I could never come back and be the same. So I don't, believe anybody, uh, I don't blame anybody that had those thoughts, but um, it doesn't mean that you can't use it as a little bit of motivation. Did you hear that, though? I mean, did you hear people say you would never come back, you would never be the same? Oh, yeah. Plenty. Plenty of people. I mean, all over. Um, whether it was just social media or whether it was media or whatever it was. Um, but, and that's, I mean, I like I said, I don't blame them because, I mean, right after my surgery, I had those doubts myself. I mean, I had, you know, after you break your leg, after you had back surgery the year before, you're like, um, you know, this leg one was was worse than the back, in my opinion. I mean, the, the break of my leg. And, uh, my girlfriend didn't didn't even tell me this until recently. She said that the doctors after uh, my surgery weren't even sure if I was going to be able to play again or not. So I mean, wow. um, but nobody nobody ever told me that, which I'm glad. Um, but uh, you know, it's just you always have those questions and, and those doubts. I mean, you're you're human. You know, you you wonder if it'll be possible, but then. One day you just make a decision. You say, all right, we're just going to take it one day at a time. We're going to work as hard as we can and see see what we can make of it. When were those doubts most real for you, in your own mind? Right after surgery. I mean, right after my surgery, when you're in the hospital bed, um, when you can't walk for two months. Um, you know, you're laying on the couch. You can't do anything. You can't, you can't really do any rehab. You can't really do anything to work towards your goal and I think that's the that's the time that you're doubting the most when you're literally just resting laying on the couch with your thoughts um because all you have to do is sit there and think and you try and watch tv and take your mind off it but um your mind inevitably goes to well what what now and um I'm very lucky I have a great girlfriend uh Kea who who just went through ACL surgery herself before my leg and she picked me up um helped keep me motivated she helped keep me positive through it all i have great parents um, i have brothers who have both been through injuries would always keep me help me pick pick me up um and then my teammates and coaches so i'm just lucky to have a lot of great people around me and to all those people who doubted you jj you now are tied <laughs> to the league lead in sacks with seven yeah no it's pretty crazy you know i mean it's i just love being out there with the guys i just love being back on the field doing what i love um it's it's so much fun. I mean, just just playing football. You know, you, you take it for granted when you're, you're healthy and you've been healthy your whole career, and you do it uh, day in and day out. But then it's taken away from you, and uh, once you get it back, you just it's it's fun, and you just enjoy it, and you love the work, you love playing. 
um, it's great to be out there. You talk about having fun. Let me have a little more fun with you. You've won the Defensive Player of the Year three times, and the only other NFL player in history that's ever won it three times is Lawrence Taylor. What do you know about Lawrence Taylor first and foremost? I mean, he's an incredible player, obviously, an unbelievable player. Um, I know he obviously had a lot of things going on off the field as well, but uh, he's just he's a legendary player. I mean, he's he's incredible. He he, he was. I mean, Romeo Cornell uh, here coached him a bit, um, but I mean, obviously, I've watched film on him. Everybody's seen film on him. He's he's one of the best ever to do it. See, I grew up watching Lawrence Taylor, JJ, and I watched his first game. And I remember his first game. He comes around. The offensive tackle, Irv Panky, I believe it was, the Los Angeles Rams, and he just swatted Jim Everett with his right fist. And I said, I've never seen a defensive play like that in my entire <laughs> life. And there were many like that throughout the course of his entire career. And so you have won the this defensive player of the year three times, and he's won it three times. So if you can keep this up, this sack total, this production, this way you're playing right now, you could become the only player in NFL history to win – the defensive player of the year four times. What would that mean to you? That'd be pretty incredible. I mean, it'd be it'd be pretty wild. Uh, obviously, we have a very long way to go to get to that point. Um, but like I said, I mean, the game. You know, when the game was taken away from me, I just wanted to get back out and play. You know, I just wanted to get back on the field, play with my guys, and hopefully play at a high level. Um, so to be back in those types of conversations and to be back in. Um, that realm of the game, uh, it feels great, and I love it, and I'm still working to try and be even better. Uh, but, yeah, it, that would be pretty special. And I know you say there is a long way to go, and there is, and that's fine. But the fact that you are where you are uh, is pretty interesting and pretty incredible in its own way. And if you were to get to that award and win it four times, we'll have a little more fun here. You realize that would punch your ticket to Canton, Ohio, and you'd be there with Reggie White and all these great defense players, Lawrence Taylor, that you have seen, knew about, heard about. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> now you're talking way too far down the road. <laughs> That's you're, my you're, job. Now you're getting, really, you're getting really carried away with yourself now. <laughs> I don't mean to do that, DJ. We'll go back to all the people who said that you were washed up and couldn't play anymore. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to bounce back from the injuries. How about that? But uh, seriously, 74 and a half sacks in your first five seasons, is the second most all-time behind only Reggie White. And you're from Wisconsin. How much did Reggie White inspire you growing up and watching him and learning about him? Oh, he's a, I love Reggie. I mean, I grew up loving Reggie White. Obviously, everybody in the state of Wisconsin loving Reggie White. I was a huge, huge fan. Um, just an incredible player, an incredible guy. Um, and it seems like now every time I, you know, I accomplish something, whether, you know, all these the media people come up to you with the stats and after the game, they'll ask you about the stats and I'll say, you just broke this record. You just broke that record. Um, but it always seems to be second behind only Reggie White. Every category <laughs> seems like I'm always second behind Reggie White. And I'm like, I feel like I'm always chasing Reggie, but, uh, if there's anybody in the world that I'm going to be second to, uh, for, for defensive statistics, I'll take Reggie White. Did you ever get the chance to meet him, JJ? No, no, I never got to meet Reggie, unfortunately. Um, I do have a signed jersey um, that somebody gifted me, so that's in my house, and I'm, uh, it's a coveted possession of mine, but I never got to meet him. Any other signed jerseys you have that mean something to you, aside from Reggie's? Um, the two coolest ones I have are my brothers. I think that, I mean, I have a bunch of great jerseys. Um, I mean, there's a couple really, I mean, I have a Leo Messi jersey, which I think is awesome, um, but... My brothers are the coolest just because of what the significance of all three of us being in the NFL um, and, and where we 
you know, playing in the backyard, you know, pretending to down punts on the one yard line and playing, uh, you know, just front yard football. And then now here we are in the NFL. And you bring up your brothers and your brother TJ in Pittsburgh is one sack behind you. How much does that motivate you? Is there any sort of friendly competition between the two of you on a weekly basis? Uh, we we definitely, uh, after the game, are quick to our phones to see what the other guy did. Um, and, and we'd be lying if we said we didn't want the lead, but also we'd be lying if we said we didn't want him to get as many sacks as he could possibly get. I hope he gets 30 sacks in a season. You know, I, I want him to go out there and have an unbelievable season. Every game I hope he has three sacks, you know, when I get back to my phone. Um, but I, I also would be lying if I didn't say it was nice to have the lead for the moment. <laughs> But if you had one more sack at him at the end of the season, what would that mean in the Watt household after the season's I'd, over? I'd be okay with that. I'd be okay with that. and um, I'm sure that there will be some – by the end of the season, I'm sure there will be some sort of dinner bet on the line or something. But not yet. No, not yet. It's too early. It's too early. we got to just try and get as many as we can get now uh, and try and win games. The last two weekends, uh, we've been 3-0, and uh, the brothers. So we, we all won last weekend, and then we all won this weekend. So – we're going to try and keep that streak going. That's pretty cool. How often does that happen? Uh, not that often. Uh, we I, we haven't, obviously haven't been that healthy the last two years, so we haven't been able to keep track. And then TJ just got in the league last year. So, um, But this year, I think I think the last two weeks, um, I'm not sure if it's the first time it happened this year, but two in a row, so hopefully we can make it three in a row. Well, TJ's on a bye next week. So yep. Derek's over in London uh, playing the Titans which would obviously help uh, in our my own division. And then uh, we're, we're in Jacksonville, so big weekend. So you got to give Derek a call and let him know, hey, take it to Tennessee this weekend, yeah. right? Will you do that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, do us a little favor there, pal. <laughs> yeah, why not, yeah. right? Exactly. You're yeah. 29 years old right now, and you mentioned right. some of these surgeries that you've gone through, the back surgery in 2016, the fractured tibia in 2017. How much longer can you and do you want to do this for? I want to do it as long as I'm playing at the top of my game. You know, I want to do it as long as I can play very good football. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to be out there and just trying to hold it together and trying to scrape together um, something that's clearly not happening. Um, but I, I also I love the game. I love, like I said, I love being out there with the guys. I love the locker room. I love it all. So um, I'm gonna. You know, a couple of years ago, I had more thoughts about it than I do now. You know, I don't think about it anywhere near as much now as I used to. Um, I'm just enjoying every day and taking it one step at a time. The last thing I want to ask you about, J.J., is obviously your philanthropic efforts uh, in the Texas area. You've raised more than $37 million for Hurricane Harvey relief in Houston, and I think that that is a mind-blowing number. We could give you all the sack numbers and four-time Pro Bowl player and four-time first-team All-Pro, but $37 million for Hurricane Harvey relief. When you started to raise money, could you ever have imagined that you would get to $37 million in counting in relief funds? No. You know, I mean, there's just there's incredible people out there in the world, and that's the biggest thing I've learned throughout that process, throughout my career, um, is how many good people there are in the world and how many people want to help other people um, and just may not have the same platform, may not say, have the same opportunity that I have. Um, so I've been very fortunate. I mean, this is my eighth year in the league, um, and just being able to use that platform to try and help the community, to try and help people, obviously in Harvey during the difficult situation, trying to do what we could. Um, it was by no means a one-man effort. I mean, there were hundreds of thousands of people from all over the world who helped out and, and 
for strangers, people they didn't know. And so I think that it gave me a massive amount of hope for humanity. Uh, it gave me a massive amount of just uh, excitement about what what this world can do when we all come together for one common cause and we all step up to the plate to help out our neighbor. And it was really special. Um, and we're still, you know, we're still um, seeing that money at work. We're still seeing people getting put back in their houses and distribution of food and medicine and things like that. People are still struggling. I mean, it's a long, long process. And so um, I'm just thankful for everybody that helped and I'm, I'm grateful to be in a position uh, and I'm grateful that my parents helped, you know, raise me and teach me how to do that. And how did that experience change the man that you are today? Oh, I mean, you know, life is so much bigger than football. I think that's, you know, that experience and the last couple of years with my injuries and everything really helped teach me about life and perspective and, and understanding um, what's truly, truly important. You know, I mean, I'm, you know, I've, I've been in the past, you know, I may have read my social media comments a lot and cared a whole lot about what uh, an anonymous person online has said. And, uh, you know, the biggest thing that I realized is as long as my parents, my friends, my girlfriend, my teammates are proud of me, um, I'm all right. You know, I don't. it doesn't really matter what anybody else thinks. As long as those people that are close to me know who I am, uh, know what I'm about and are proud of the work I'm doing, um, that's that's enough for me. And you just do you, and you've done a great job being you on and off the field. You could have put me in that crowd. I'm proud of you too, JJ. It's very impressive. I appreciate it, Adam. Thank you very much. It means a lot. Thank you. And I appreciate you joining us today. Thank you very much. Continued success. I want to see somebody become the first four-time Defensive Player of the Year winner. That would be an unbelievable honor. And that way I could say that I had that person on my podcast as a guest. So good luck doing that, (laughs) and good luck the rest of the way this season, JJ. Thank you, Adam. I appreciate it. I better get to work. Thanks so much, JJ. Be well. We'll be back in a moment with Panthers linebacker Thomas Davis. But now is the perfect time to tell you about Hotel Tonight. Hotel Tonight partners with awesome hotels to help them sell their unsold rooms, which means you get incredible deals. The cool thing is they only work with hotels they think you'll love. And as short profiles of each hotel with all the info you need to know and pictures of what the rooms really look like. And even though the name's Hotel Tonight... You can actually book in advance, so you can use it whether you like to plan or play things by ear. It's the one-stop shop for booking vacations or staycations, weekend getaways, road trips, business trips, and more. So start getting really great deals at great hotels and go to hoteltonight.com or download the app now. Hi, Thomas. How you doing? I'm doing good. How you doing? How did it feel to be back out there? Man, it felt great. So great to be out there competing with my team. The game obviously didn't end the way we wanted to, but definitely felt good to be back out there and be a part of everything. What is it like when you're away from football like that, Thomas? Oh, man, it's it's a very, very humbling, um, discouraging feeling to think about. You know, I've been away from the game before dealing with injuries um, where I wasn't able to play, but never – um, in a situation where I've been completely taken away from everything, can't have any contact with anybody, can't come to the stadium at all. Mm-hmm. Like, that was extremely tough. Um, I look at that, and from the outside looking in, you know, we're always seeing guys around the league that have been uh, suspended for um, PEDs. Like, you, you kind of never really felt sorry for those guys when it happened to them. But now that you're in that situation and you see what it's actually like to go through it, um, it's extremely tough, man. And I don't really wish that on anybody because, you know, you never know what a guy's going through or what's going on in a guy's life. And 
you know, for him not to have the guys that we lean on so heavily, your brothers, your teammates, your coaches, um, that makes it extremely tough. So now if you saw somebody suspended, you'd have an entirely different attitude and you feel sorry for them. Oh, no question. No question. Because I think what people fail to realize when you see these suspensions, it's not automatically every guy that, that has been suspended is out there trying to cheat. And I think that's the misconception that people get. And they think and they hear um, PED suspension, they think, oh, guys taking steroids, guys taking HGH. And, you know, majority of the guys that have that are getting suspended now are taking things that are in products that they have absolutely no clue that the it that contains the, the banned substance. So I think now after going through that and being one of those guys that had a test that they didn't know anything was in, then, you know, I have a very, very different approach and a different look at guys going through that. Now, obviously, as you mentioned, you're not allowed to be around your team. You're not allowed to be in the facility. What do you do every day? Uh, for me, it was working out, uh, spending a lot of time with my kids. You know, I have four kids. Um, my boys are playing football, so I was out there helping coach their football team um, and just really trying to make sure that I came back in the best shape that I possibly could. Now, I don't know that I've ever heard this, Thomas, and my condolences I extend to you. You lost your father. You buried him on Saturday and left for Washington the same day and then go play in a game Sunday? So it it actually, well, the first week of um, the season that I was suspended, I got a call on Tuesday saying that my dad had had a heart attack and he was brought back, but he was without oxygen for a while. So I I flew to Jacksonville to be with him um, that Wednesday and, I, you know, we back and forth to Jacksonville, going down there and seeing him, and he never, he never really pulled through. He ended up passing away, and we had the funeral set for Saturday. But Hurricane, I think Michael, came through my hometown and, and completely wrecked shop, wow. and that we were without power for like five days. I think they just turned the power back on down there today, maybe. So we had to postpone the funeral. So it's actually been moved to this Saturday. Wow, so you're going to bury your father this Saturday and then travel to Philadelphia to go play the Eagles. Correct. And what will that be like for you? Um, it's, I mean, it's going to be tough. You know, It's going to be extremely tough. Whenever you are having to say your goodbyes to a loved one, in particular saying it, your goodbyes to a parent, is, I mean, it's even tougher. So um, I don't expect it, the emotions to be any different um, this weekend than they would have been last weekend, but... Um, you know, it's a part of life, and you know, it's something that we all are going to have to eventually face someday. What, what did losing your dad mean to you, Thomas? Um, you know, it, it was it was very tough, especially during the time that I actually lost him. You know, um, while I was on suspension, not being able to, um, you know, lean on my brothers, like I said earlier, and you know, understanding that I'm a father now myself, and knowing that. You know, there was a possibility or a chance that you know, we could have had a much stronger relationship and, you know, really could have had a chance to to do so many more great things, you know, and learn so much more from my dad. But he was taken away at the age of 67. So now it's kind of, you kind of look at it like, you know, you're kind of on your own and now you got to raise your boys and you got to teach them all the things that you've learned from your dad. And, um just kind of go with the punches with everything else that you're not very knowledgeable of. 
What's the biggest thing you learned from your dad that you'll pass on to your boys? Um, the value of hard work. You know, my dad was always a hard worker. Um, he was um, a guy that, that definitely loved people. Um, he loved to help people out as much as he could, and I think that's kind of where I got it from. It's all about giving back and helping others out, and that's kind of who he was and what he was, he was able to do when he was here. People don't realize that sometimes, right? They put on the television, they come to the games, they watch Thomas Davis, number 58, they see him out there, and they have no idea that you, some of your teammates, some of your brothers are going through situations in life that are difficult to deal with. I guess everybody's got that in every walk of life. It's hard. No question. No question. You know, we're, we're, we're not superheroes. There are no exceptions for us as NFL players. Um, we laugh, we cry, we bleed the same way everybody else does, and when when you have situations that that come about like this, I mean, it's extremely tough on us, just like it is everybody else. Now, you do do a lot of charitable work, and I know you work with a lot of school-aged children. What do you tell the school-aged children when you're away on suspension about why you're away from the game? Um, you know, I just I just be open and honest with them. You know, I have my leadership academy. We have a session tonight. We have a high school group that we continue to work with as well, and it's always the message to the kids is always this, you know, take ownership of, of the things that happen in your life. Do not allow them to define who you are as a person and just keep pounding, just keep going. When things come your way, don't always be faced with adversity. Obstacles are going to come your way. Just keep pounding, keep going, keep believing in yourself and, and understand that the truth will always set you free. And that's the message that we continue to deliver to our kids. So if I attend those leadership committee meetings, that's what I would take out of them? If you came to our leadership academy meeting, it depends on what day it is. But if it, that particular night that I was addressing the kids and talking about the suspension, then that's the message that you would have gotten. But, <laughs> you know, we have a different curriculum that we're talking to them about all the time, about community service, about leadership, about you know, the list just really goes on and what we try to work with these middle school age kids on because we understand that that's a fine age that these kids are going to make a decision in which way they want to go in life. And mm. we wanted to catch them when they're leaving elementary school before they become high schoolers so that, you know, they've had the proper training and the work that they need so, so that when they're faced with a tough decision, they understand which way to go in making those decisions, and they understand how to help some of their friends make some of those decisions. It's all about being a leader. How do you know you're having an impact on them, Thomas? I'm sure you are, but how do you know it? Um, this is our, you know, 10th year in, in doing this, and we've seen so many kids come through, and we, you can watch the growth of these kids from when they first come in, hmm. acting shy, acting, um, you know, having um, behavior issue, having trouble in school and you can see the kids grow to becoming really good students, becoming very respect, respectable young men and women, and ultimately just gaining the confidence that they need to go on and be successful kids. That's, that's how we gauge, you know, the success of our program. And that's why we're still going because we've seen so many um, great kids come through. We've seen so many kids benefit from the work that we're doing. And we ultimately know that the parents, um, are able to, to do a better job of raising their kids because we are helping these kids become better children. And um, that's what it's all about for us. Thomas, you're in your 14th season. When you're done playing, whenever that is, will you continue with the Leadership Academy or is there something else you want to do? What's next for you? Oh, the Leadership Academy is definitely going to continue. You know, that's something that, that we're very passionate about. Um, we've even 
uh, talked about with some of my board members, or even possibly starting a charter school someday, um, you know, and just making the Leadership Academy um, a huge thing, um, even bigger than what it is right now. But, you know, the sky's really the limit for me, I feel like, um, when I'm done playing because there's so many things that I want to do to help families and help children out. Um, and right now, it's continuing to play football. It, it just can't put enough time into it because there's so much work that needs to be done. Panther fans are not going to like me when I say this, but it sounds like you've got a lot of ideas about the future. So how much longer do you want to keep doing this before you can divert your energies and attention to real meaningful issues like this? Well, for me, you know, like we talked about earlier, coming off of this suspension, I definitely don't want to leave um, the game knowing that I didn't play a full season, knowing that it was because of a suspension that, you know, I, I ultimately didn't have any control over. You know, I didn't know that that the substance that I was using contained a, a banned substance. So, I mean, I, I just – after you go through your career and you do – things a certain way their entire career you don't ever want to walk away knowing that okay Thomas Davis was a pretty good player but you know he had this four game suspension hmm. in 2018 you know I, I and that's how he went out I don't want that to be the case for me and I feel like I'm still able to play at a high level I feel like I'm still able to contribute to this football team and you know if the if that changes by the end of this season and I don't feel like I'm contributing or if I can play then, you know, maybe I'll make a different decision at the end of it. But right now, you know, I still want to be a part of it. I want to come back, and um, I just want to help this team be successful. You know I, you know how I think people will know Thomas Davis, aside from the fact that you created this leadership academy, all the philanthropic deeds you've done? You, you've played in a Super Bowl with a broken arm. You're the only player to come back from a torn ACL on the same knee twice. You did three all times. this three times. Excuse me. Three times the same ACL? Yep, 2009, 10, and 11. What do you take out of that? How do you do that? Um, you know, I, I just really look at it as a blessing from God. I mean, you don't you don't see that happen in this league. You don't see guys given that opportunity, you know. And I was blessed and fortunate enough to be with the organization like the Carolina Panthers that believed in me, that um, wanted to see me succeed and, and knew – the work that I was putting in to try to come back, and they gave me that opportunity. And ultimately, that's the real reason why I'm still here, um, because they believed in me enough to to allow me to come back and try to play. So um, I don't take that for granted, and I understand that um, I've been favored in so many ways, you know, by the graces of God to be able to have those ACL surgeries and it only be an ACL and go and in an NFC championship game and break my forearm and break it in a place to where I can have surgery the next morning and still be able to come back and play in the Super Bowl. So, I mean, things have happened. Bad things are going to happen to you in your life. Same thing that I tell our Leadership Academy kids. It's up to you how you allow those things to define who you are. I mean, if you allow it to impact you negatively, then that's – pretty much the outcome you're going to get. You're going to get a negative outcome. But if you continue to believe in yourself and you know that you can do certain things, then you're going to have positive things happen for you. You mentioned you're going to look at players who are suspended in a different way going forward. Do you reach out to or advise players who have torn their ACL? Because it's so devastating to see guys do this one week, to lose so much. 
Has there anybody you've ever reached out to personally, privately, and just say, hey, I've been through this three times on one knee, and I want to let you know what you have in the future? If you can if you can think of a player that that torn the ACL, a, lot, a pretty strong possibility that I, I've either talked to him, reached out to him, um, or in some capacity prayed for him, or either, you know, not just NFL players, um, you know, young ladies that are playing soccer. Like, I have a ton of people that reach out to me from, you know, looking my name up and looking up my story, you know, understanding that I've gone through so much from an ACL standpoint and I'm still playing at a high level. I have a ton of people that reach out to me and through DMs, and I'm usually reaching out or, or getting back with them. Uh, the most recent person that I, I've i contacted was Jake Butt. You know, I know he's a guy that's, that's gone through it down in Denver. Um, he went through it in Michigan. I was actually following the kid when, when that happened um, to him in Michigan, and now it's happened to him again in the NFL. And um, I just believe that he's going to be fine. I feel like he's going to come back and he's going to have an amazing career. And um, it looks like the Broncos are sticking with him. And, uh, and I would like to hope that the Broncos have looked at my situation here in Carolina and kind of um, said that, hey, you know, Jake is young. We're going to stick by him and we're going to give him an opportunity. So you are the ACL consoler. Hey, if I'm here for him. I've been through it. So, I mean, that's, that's the, the greatest healer is experience. So I think that, you know, I have enough experience dealing with ACL. So if anybody that needs any kind of help or wants to know any information or things that you need to know concerning or dealing with ACL, feel free to reach out to me. Wow. I may reach out to you for guidance on how to report on them in the future, Thomas. Oh, that, that works too. <laughs> Before I let you go, and I want to thank you for your time and your generosity and your thoughtfulness, and it's been tremendous. I got to ask you, what's the most unusual outfit you've seen Cam Newton wear? Oh man, where do we even begin with that one? <laughs> um, probably, probably the the one that he wore to Super Bowl. That hmm. that was probably the most unusual one, and we gave him a lot of grief about that one. He's got some. Inc- I mean, he's got some wild tasting clothes. Every Monday during NFL Live, we have Ryan Clark do a fashion segment. And Cam Newton is featured every single week for whatever he's wearing. And it's always something that I could never imagine. I'm not that cool. I'm not that hip. Listen, that's Cam, though. That's who he is, and that's exactly what he wants. If you guys are talking about it, he's doing his job, right? (laughs) Well, I'm glad we had the chance to talk about you today, Thomas. I really appreciate it. Good luck this week. Have a great trip to Philadelphia. Good luck getting through the entire weekend, the emotional experience it will be for you. And I really appreciate taking some time to join me today. I appreciate it, Adam. Thank you for having me. We'll be back in a moment with ESPN NFL researcher Evan Kaplan. But first, I want to tell you about Vivid Seats. You know me best for breaking news around the league. Speaking of, I recently received a tip. Vivid Seats is offering ESPN fans 10% off football tickets, but you have to act fast. Head to VividSeats.com and enter promo code ESPN at checkout to receive 10% off your first order. Vivid Seats is the official ticket partner of ESPN, and with their 100% buyer guarantee, there's no reason to miss a game this year. Don't wait. This offer ends soon. So head to VividSeats.com, get off the couch, and get into the action. Your team needs you. Cap hit. All right, Evan, you just heard from Panthers linebacker Thomas Davis. They have a huge game this weekend against the Philadelphia Eagles. There are a lot of great matchups in Week 7. What stands out about this weekend to you? There are, Adam, and Elias told us that Eight of the 14 games in Week 7 will be 
played between teams that are 500 or better. That's tied for the most in NFL history this late into the season. Wow. So you got eight of the 14, more than half of the games in week seven between teams with a 500 record or better. And, and the, I'm, I'm really focusing on five of those eight because those are the game, five of those games between teams in the same conference. Mentioned Thomas Davis, Panthers, Eagles, one of them. Titans, Chargers, Texans, Jaguars, Cowboys, Redskins, Bengals, Chiefs. These are the games that two months from now, we're going to be talking about who won this game as tie-breaking scenarios. Wow. So as you start to project, and we're now in the middle of the season here, as we start to project towards the playoffs, these are games that when you're talking about wild card for the divisional games, you're talking about divisional races, Who the team that wins this game, they're going to have a big leg up as we, as we get towards the playoffs. Kind of unusual how that happens. There are some weekends in the NFL where some of the matchups lack some sizzle. Right. And then you get a weekend like this one in week seven where there is a ton of sizzle. There's, there's a ton of storylines, a ton of games to talk about. And, and that doesn't even, those five that I mentioned, that doesn't even include some of the, the AFC NFC matchups, Bears, Patriots, Saints, Ravens that, that are really good games. Well, you bring up the Saints, Ravens. So we get a top offense versus a top defense. And the Saints offense has been tremendous. And the Ravens defense, has been tremendous. What do you make of this matchup? It really has. And, and all the talk about how great the Chiefs and the Rams offenses have been, and they have. They, I'm not downplaying that at all, but the Saints lead the NFL in scoring offense right now. And this will be the eighth time in the last 15 seasons we've got top scoring offense against top scoring defense week five or later. We actually saw it just a few weeks ago with the Jaguars and the Chiefs. Now the offense has won six of the previous seven games. So as you're Looking ahead to Saints-Ravens, the offense, at least historically in these examples, mm-hmm. has had the advantage. Obviously, we saw the Chiefs beat the Jaguars 30-14. to That defense uh, was number one scoring defense at the time. Obviously, we've seen since then Jacksonville defense certainly struggling over the last few games, but uh, the Ravens with their performance against the Titans in Week 6 now have a whole different animal to deal with in Drew Brees. And it's going to be a historic day for Drew Brees because I really think we will. all could agree that he's going to throw that one right. touchdown pass. He needs one touchdown for 500, and it could be historic in another way. An interesting note that that I've been talking about with some of the, the crew on Sunday Countdown, the Ravens are the only one of the 32 current NFL franchises that Drew Brees has never beaten in his career. So he could beat the Ravens and throw 500. his 500-touchdown pass all in the same that day. That is my favorite game in Week 7, I, I Saints-Ravens. Couldn't agree more. You know, it's funny, every Sunday in the war room, Seth Markman, who is the NFL coordinating producer, right. or now vice president. Right, yes, absolutely. We look at the games, the matchups the next mm-hmm. week, because he assigns the reporters, yep. and he always sends it over to me. And <laughs> yeah. He says, what do you think of these games? And when he showed me the schedule for this week, the first right. game that I looked at was the Ravens Saints. Right. I said, that, to me, is the best game of the week. And even though I know we're going to have reporters at Cowboys and Redskins and Bengals Chiefs and right. Panthers Eagles and all these other matchups. All right, the Rams are the last unbeaten team, mm-hmm. Evan, at 6-0. and what does this mean historically? So for the Rams, it's been pretty good. The the this is the the la- the previous two times they were the final unbeaten team in the NFL. They went on to reach the Super Bowl. Two thousand one, they ended up losing to the Patriots in the nineteen ninety nine season. They beat the Titans. But and I think you were on this note a few weeks ago. The recent history of the final unbeaten team yeah. in the NFL is not great. No. The 2006 Colts, the last time mm. the final unbeaten team in a season went on to win the Super Bowl, and that that's about 12 seasons ago now at this point. So it, it's while it's a great start for the Rams, historically it has not meant an automatic Super Bowl. 
No, but they've been very impressive so far. They've been about as impressive as any team in the, the league. The most impressive part to me is that is the last two weeks when it, they haven't been as dominant, I think is the word, as they were in the first four, but they find a way to win, and that's what great teams do. They're resilient. They really are. Uh, let's go from one great team and one great situation to another. Tom Brady, unbeatable. We saw what he did to Patrick Mahomes on Sunday night. Quarterbacks who are under the age of 25 in the regular season right. are now 0-24 in Foxborough against Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Now... Tom Brady gets Mitchell Trubisky. What do we make of this matchup? So another variation on the, the age discrepancy. So 15 years older, Tom Brady, when he's at least 15 years older than the opposing starting quarterback, he's 7-0 and in his career, wins over guys like Mahomes, Jared Goff, Deshaun Watson, Marcus Mariota. We have another situation with that this week. Trubisky's 24 years old, Brady 41. So the, the history of these young quarterbacks against Brady specifically it's not been great. And then the other thing that I'm looking at in this game, uh, Matt Nagy, his first game as the Chiefs offense coordinator last season was against the Patriots. Ooh. Week one, 42 points. Ooh. We saw what Andy Reid, obviously the same school, did to the Patriots in week six on Sunday night, 40 points. Maybe another shootout there. Uh, I think there'll be some points scored in Chicago. That should be an interesting game on Sunday between the Bears and the Patriots. And the team, the aforementioned team that you talked about, the Chiefs, they now head back home for what turns out to be a big game. Very interesting that two weeks in a row the Chiefs are now on in primetime Sunday night. So everybody can see Patrick Mahomes and judge right. himself about how good he is or isn't. So what does it mean that Patrick Mahomes is now headed back home? So while we've all seen Patrick Mahomes, the, the home fans in Kansas City haven't seen Patrick Mahomes a ton. This will only be their third home game this season. He leads the league with 18 touchdown passes, but 15 of those have come on the road. That's, strangely enough, already the third most road touchdown passes in a single season in Chiefs history. But now, Chiefs still, despite the loss against the Patriots, 5-1. and one, They head home. Three of their next four games will be at home. And then we're already starting to look ahead. Week 11, Chiefs-Rams, Mexico City. So Ooh. the Chiefs will be at home for, for an extended stretch here for three of their next four over the next month before that huge matchup. So uh, the the... The home Kansas City fans will get to see plenty of Patrick Mahomes. Plenty, but they will not get to see him on November 19th. Monday, November 19th, Mexico City will get treated to the game of the season, perhaps. Right? The Rams and the Chiefs, Monday Night Football. Set your DVR, your schedule, your TV viewing schedule now, because that's going to be a great one. It really is. I mean, when you you have a game like that, and we'll see if the Rams are still undefeated at that point, but the the storylines, the offenses, the young quarterbacks, it doesn't get much better than that. Evan, thanks for your Week 7 preview. We will see you again for Week 8. Thanks a lot, Adam. So there's our ESPN NFL researcher, Evan Kaplan. Special thanks to him. And special thanks to our two previous guests, J.J. Watt, who is bidding to become the only player in NFL history to win the Defensive Player of the Year four times in his career, and to Thomas Davis, who will take on this week the Philadelphia Eagles one day after burying his father. Join us again next week for another edition of the Adam Schefter Podcast. Our scheduled guests for next week are now the acclaimed author, Mitch Album and the Pittsburgh Steelers running back, James Conner. Tune in again next week, everybody. Thanks for listening this week.